I want you to open your ears and hearts just for a few moments this morning as we just endeavor to look at the Word of God. This morning, I want to preach on the thought, shipwrecked at life. Everybody say that with me. Shipwrecked at life. Now, I debated about preaching a sermon series today, but... um, I, since June the 12th is coming up, I don't want to start a series until after that. And so, uh, so we're just going to, I'm going to preach something that's been on my heart and I just pray that you open your ears up and listen to what the Lord would have to say. Just a very small passage of scripture this morning in Acts chapter 27, verse 22. Uh, this is what is said, uh, according, uh, about this story. There's a story here about how Paul was going to Rome in a ship. And it was, he became shipwrecked. There was a storm that came. So this is the background of the story. Paul is on his way to Rome and he faces a large storm and he becomes shipwrecked. So look at verse number 22, Acts 27, verse 22. And now I urge you to take heart for there will be no loss that will be among you, but only the ship. Look at verse 22. The only thing that will be lost is the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those things, all those who sell with you. Therefore, take heart, for I believe that it will be just as it was told to me. Shipwrecked at life. Shipwrecked at life. Let me just give you a quick background of what's happening here. Paul is a prisoner. And he's on his way to Rome to stand before Caesar. And uh, he gives advice to all of the prisoners on the boat. And he says to them in Acts 27.10, he says, Brethren, I don't think it's wise that we go to Rome right now. I don't think we should go. I think we should wait a few days. But the scripture tells us they didn't listen to him. So they got on a boat and they went towards Rome. And as they were going towards Rome, they were faced with a big storm. As a matter of fact, the Bible says it was called Eroclodon, which is a big storm. And can you imagine them being on a boat? Paul was on the boat. He's a prisoner with other prisoners. They didn't listen to his advice. They didn't listen to him. And now they're in the middle of the sea in a horrible storm. But the Bible says, if you read the whole chapter, you'll find out that the Bible says that an angel came to Paul at at nighttime and said to Paul, Paul, don't worry about it. You're going to make it to Rome, even though you may lose the ship. You're going to lose the ship, but you're going to make it to Rome. And not one of you, not one of you that's on the ship is going to lose your life. They lost everything. They lost everything that was on the ship, and they lost the ship itself. But not one of them lost their lives. They lost the ship. They lost everything, but not one of them lost their life. And the Bible says that they had to, the, you know, they, the boat was destroyed, and they had to swim to an island. And when they got to the island, the natives of the island treated them with such kindness. And the Bible says they gave them a new boat. And they eventually got to Rome. So it's a simple story. It's a story that maybe you've heard before. It's a simple story. A bunch of prisoners on a boat. They didn't listen to Paul. They got in a bad storm. And they were shipwrecked. They lost everything. But they still made it to Rome. 
Now, how in the world does this story apply to our lives today? And I'm going to give you a few quick things about this story that I find interesting. This is one of the ways, one of the favorite ways I love to preach. I love to read a story, and then from that story, I like to pick it apart. And I like to find out how that story or how that narrative or how that parable is applicable to us. Because I believe that every one of you is at different stages of your life. And when you come to church, some of us need to hear something encouraging and something hope-filled. Listen, just a few days ago, uh, 18 children lost their lives and a few teachers lost their life. Something very horrible happened. We live in a generation where people want to feel that there is hope. Do you believe me? And we pray for that family. We pray for Texas. We send our blessings towards them. We pray for those dear families that lost all of their children and lost their kids and lost their nieces and nephews and children and lost their spouses. We send our blessings towards them. And yet, when I listened to that story this this week, I realized that lots of people feel shipwrecked in their heart. They feel shipwrecked at life. They feel as though life is helpless and hopeless, and they don't know where to turn. And I believe that if we come to church, we need to hear messages that not only challenge us, not only convict us, but messages that bring hope to us. And I believe that this message not only challenges us and convicts us, but this message is a message filled with hope. And there's a few things that I want you to see about this story that I feel that could bring hope to your life if you will listen very intently and closely. Number one, the very first thing that I want you to see in this story is number one, the ship isn't connected to the promise. Now let me explain what I uh, what I uh, feel about this. The Bible says in Acts chapter 27, verse 22, the angels came to Paul and said, listen, you may not make it. Look at verse 22. And now I urge you to take heart for there will be no loss among you, but only the ship. In other words, Paul told them that the angel said, we're not going to die in this storm, but we will lose the ship. So the angel of God didn't say, doesn't say here that the ship was going to get him to Rome. He never said that. Because the promise isn't connected to the ship. The promise of getting to Rome is connected to God. It's not connected to the ship. So even if your ship doesn't make it, you belong to God and you're going to make it. Boy, that's shouting territory right there. Let me say that again. Your promise that God has given you is not connected to the ship. You say, well, what does the, what is the ship? Sometimes, listen to me, listen to me, church. Sometimes we're so attached to the ship, which is our ideas and how things ought to work out that when things become difficult, we feel as though that God has abandoned us and forgot about us. So let me remind you, Sometimes we get so attached to the ship. The ship is our ideas, our methods, how we think things should work out. Sometimes we're so attached to that, that when it doesn't work out the way we think it should work out, we think that God has abandoned us and forgotten about us. So let me ask you a question. Can God offend your methods and still get you to the destination? Can God offend your methods and still get you to the destination? Can God offend your ideas and you still get 
to the destination. Listen, you may not get there the way you thought you should get there because sometimes you will lose the ship, but your promise is not connected to the ship. It's connected to God. And if God said you will make it, then you're going to make it whether your ideas make it or not whether your method makes it or not, because your promise is not connected to the ship. Your promise is connected to God. Hallelujah. The Bible says they lost the ship. They lost everything. They survived. And this is why I'm so encouraged this morning. Everybody that was on the ship survived, even though they were disobedient. Remember, Paul told them, You should not go on this trip. But they disobeyed him and went on the trip anyway and got stuck in the storm and lost the ship. In other words, these people that was on the ship still made it to their destination even though they were disobedient. So that tells me that sometimes your disobedient doesn't mess up God's plan. Sometimes we think that God's plan is always contingent upon us making all the right decisions. Sometimes we think that God's plan is always contingent upon us making the right decisions. Well, let me tell you something. God is much bigger than your wrong decisions. And he will still get his plan across even if you mess up. Oh, somebody should shout right there because I know somebody in the building's messed up a few times and you think that you are out of God's plan. But let me tell you, God is bigger than all your mistakes and your mishaps. He's bigger than all of that. Guess what? If the ship fails, he'll give you another ship. If the job fails, he's got another job. If the business fails, he has another business. If my plans fail, he has a greater plan. If my kids go crazy and my money gets funny, he still will work it out. If my friends leave me, he still has another friend. If my resources stop, he is still my source because my promise is not connected to my methods or my ideas. My promise is connected to God even if the ship is shipwrecked. Woo! God is still my source. Can I, can I just preach up in here? Is this all right? God is my source. If God is everlasting and all-sufficient and all-knowing and omnipresent, if he is over everything and he's the ancient of days and he's the mighty God and he's the creator of heaven and earth. He's the beginning and the end and the first and the last. And he's the architect of the ages and the universe and the manager of the universe. He has always been, he always is, he's unmoved and unchanged and undefeated. I believe my friends that that's, he's big enough to take care of even our mistakes. Why do we doubt him? Have you ever wondered that? Why does it seem like we doubt God? I mean, if God is God, we should serve him. If Baal is God, let's serve him. Let's put our faith in God. Listen, 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 pastor. You can't put your faith in the government. That's a concept for some of you. You cannot put your faith in the government. We should pray for them. We can't put our faith there. We can't put our faith in the school system. That they're wonderful and they're great. 
but they don't solve all the problems. We can't even put our faith sometimes in the church. We have to put our faith in God. Did you hear me? What is faith? Faith is trust in God. You can't put your faith in relationships. You've got to put it in God. All of those things are good and fine in its place. But you've got to put your faith in God first. You've got to put your faith in God. The God of the Bible. Not the God that you have thought about. Because you can't believe everything you think. The God that you think about is, is not the God that I'm talking about. I'm talking about the God of the Bible. I'm talking about the God who delivers his people from the land of Egypt. I'm talking about the God who rolls back the waters of the Red Sea. The God who makes rocks gush forth in fountains. The God who makes food come down from heaven. The God who makes the sun to stand still. The God who makes barren women sing. And the God who turns our weeping into shouting. The God who raises up dead things. The God who brings sight to the blind. And the God who drives out demons and devils. The God who walks upon the winds and the waves. The God who feeds the multitude with a little boy's lunch. The God who never gives up. That's the God we need to put our faith in. Is there anybody in the building that says, Pastor, I'm putting my faith back into God this morning. You remember what David said? I have been young and now I'm old and I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor God's seed begging for bread. I don't care how high the gas prices may go. God will take care of his people. I'm going to say that again. I don't care how high inflation may go. You have nothing. You have a lot of things to worry about, but you got greater things not to worry. You got a few things to be afraid about, but you got greater reasons not to be afraid. Because when we put our faith in God, I'm telling you, if he takes care of the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, how much more important are you than they are? Is there anybody in this building that can just clap your hands and wave your hands and say, I'm putting my faith back into God? You know, it's interesting that when they lost the ship, the Bible says, if they can, Acts 28 verse 10, I want you to see here, Bo, if you can do that for me, I want you to see what happens here, because when they lost the ship and they were shipwrecked, they swim to an island They swam to an island, and those natives on the island provided for them the things that were necessary. In other words, when you find yourself shipwrecked in life, God will provide the things that are necessary, not necessarily your luxuries. In other words, sometimes when we feel like we are shipwrecked in life, God will make sure he takes care of us, but you need to make sure how he takes care of you. He will take care of your necessities, not necessarily your luxuries. And the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4 verse 19, he says that my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. So when you find yourself shipwrecked in life, you can guarantee that God will take care of his own, but he will take care of the things that are necessary in your life and not necessary the luxuries. 
The Bible says in Acts chapter 28, verse 11, the Bible says that the people on the island gave them a new ship. See, see, God will provide the things that are necessary for you. You see, the apostle Paul said that an angel came to him in verse number 23 the angel said in verse 23, for there stood by me, Acts 27, 23, for there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I serve and to whom I belong. An angel showed up and said, he said, verse number 24, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God had granted all those who sell with you. Therefore, take heart, for I believe that it will be just as it was told to you. He says, don't be afraid. You're going to get there. You may have lost the ship, but God is going to provide the things necessary for you to get there. Don't be afraid. And in the time and the generation that you and I live in, we can look around and we can be afraid. But I'm God's messenger to you today, and I'm telling you, don't be afraid. The angel said to Paul, do not be afraid, Paul, for God is with you, and you will get to Rome. Listen. If God brought you to it, he's going to bring you through it. You're going to make it to the other side. He didn't teach you how to swim to let you drown. He didn't bring you this far to leave you. It doesn't matter what you're going through. The fact of the matter is you're going through. You got to hold on because joy will certainly come in the morning. I'm reminded of what the scripture says in Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. Have I not commanded you? to be strong and to be courageous. Do not be afraid or be dismayed. For I, the Lord your God, will be with you wherever you go. The Bible says in Psalm 27 verse 1, The Lord is my light and the Lord is my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. The prophet said in Isaiah 53, verse 2, and I quote, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon you. I'm telling you today, there are reasons to be afraid, but there are greater reasons not to be afraid. God is with us. I said God is with us. I said, God is with us. His promise is not connected to the ship. His promise, your promise is connected to God. Don't be afraid. Number one, the ship isn't connected to the promise. Number two, don't be afraid. And number three, I love this. When you can't control your feelings, control your feeding. Say that with me. When you can't control your feelings, control your feeding. Listen. I get it. We're living in a generation where people are afraid. Prices are outrageous. Where we're parents are in mental torment over their children. I understand that we're living in perilous times. And I'm not belittling your feelings at all. I get it. But let me just remind you this morning that sometimes our feelings get out of control. And that's why you need to be remembered that when you feel like you can't control those feelings of frustration and anxiety, 
When you feel like that you're in a shipwrecked, when you've shipwrecked at life and your feelings are here and there and you don't know what to do, there's one thing that you can't control. You can't control your feeding. I want you to see this in Acts chapter 27, verse 34. Acts 27, verse 34. The Bible tells us that they're shipwrecked, all right? Uh, Acts chapter 27, verse 34, look at what it says here. Therefore, I urge you to take nourishment, for this is your survival, since not a hair will fall from the head of any of you. And when he said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of all of them. When he had broken, they began to eat it. Verse 20, 36, excuse me. Then they were all encouraged and they took food for themselves. You see, the ship is getting ready to go down. And yet Paul tells them, listen, folks, don't be fearful. You're not even going to lose a hair on your head. But Paul says, but what I want you to do, the ship is getting ready to sink, folks. But let me remind you, we're going to live. And not one of your hair is going to be destroyed. He said, I want to tell you, you need to get some food inside of you. You need to eat. You need to get some nourishment. You haven't eaten for days. He broke bread. He prayed over it, and they begin to eat. I want you to see the spiritual implication of this, that sometimes when we feel like we're shipwrecked at life, and we feel like we don't know what to do, we neglect our devotional time with the Lord. We neglect spiritual disciplines. We neglect spiritual habits. We neglect church attendance. We make excuses. Well, I'm going through a hard time. I just can't go to church right now. Listen, if there's one thing you don't need to neglect, you don't need to neglect the community of faith when you are having a hard time. You need to control your feeding when you feel like your feelings are out of control. Number three, when you can't control your feelings, control your feeding. You need to feed yourself spiritually. Listen. We're living in a generation where there's a lot of pressure, pressure of the world, pressure of finances, pressure of marriage, pressure of relationships, pressure of our jobs, pressure of making money. And you need to make sure your priorities are right. Your job is not your source. God is your source. He's the one that gives your breath. Make sure you get your priorities right when things become difficult. When you can't control your feelings, control your feeding. Make sure you are fed spiritually. Amen. Isn't it amazing? Look at this. I'm almost done. Verse number 43. Look what happens in verse 43. They, they become shipwrecked. And the Bible says, verse number 43, but the centurion, Acts chapter 27, verse 43, but the centurion, wanting to save Paul, kept them from their purpose. And commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to the land. And the rest of them grabbed some boards and some parts of the ship. And so they all escaped safely to the land. See what happened? The ship is going down. And those people grab some pieces of the ship. And they begin to hold on to the pieces of the ship. And they paddled their way to the land. Now I thought about it. You've got to learn how to swim in places that you used to sell. You've got to learn how to swim in places that you used to sell. You see, these people jumped on board. They got the pieces of the boat and they held on to it. 
because when they held on to it, that acted like a lifesaver. So they swim to the, the, the shore. They swim to the land. Listen, I, I, when I was studying this, I, and I've read this to you before in church, but I never saw this. It's interesting that those people who were jumping off of the ship grabbed pieces of the boat, and they're grabbing hold of it, swimming to the shore. And I thought, why are they grabbing pieces of the boat? Obviously, they want to be saved. All right? But in a spiritual sense, when you feel like you're shipwrecked in life, you know what you need to do? You need to grab some pieces of your life. And you need to remember what God has done. That board I'm holding represents when I was a child and God brought me through. So I'm holding on to that board. You need to grab another board and say, I remember when God did that. You need to grab as many boards as you can when you feel like you're shipwrecked because each of those boards represent something that God has done in your life. And when you feel like you're shipwrecked, just remember all the pieces of the board in your boat. Can I hear an amen? Remember when Jonah was in, Jonah was shipwrecked? How, how did he make it through the storm? He sacrificed himself to it. He threw himself overboard. Jesus, when he was in a storm, he spoke to it. But when Paul was in a storm, he swam through it. You see, each storm requires you to do something differently. Jesus spoke to the storm. storm. Jonah sacrificed himself to it. But yet Paul swam in the storm. You got to learn how to handle the storm when it comes. They took pieces of the board. They began to swim. Lastly, in closing, after they were shipwrecked and they got to the island of Malta in chapter 28. Look at Acts chapter 28 verse 1. They finally arrived at the island. And the Bible says that these people showed them, verse number two, showed them unusual kindness. These people were very nice to all the prisoners. Showed them usual kind, unusual kindness. In other words, number four, I want you to show unusual kindness to those who are shipwrecked. The people of the island showed kindness to those people who were shipwrecked. And sometimes, my friends, when we find ourselves shipwrecked in life, we are so focused on our needs and what we're going through that we forget that somebody else is hurting. What can you do this week to show kindness to those who are shipwrecked, to those who are struggling? Can you take somebody out to eat? Can you pray with someone? Can you send them a text message? Can you go out of your way to show kindness to somebody who is struggling? Show kindness to somebody that is shipwrecked. Every one of you has the potential to do something to bring kindness into somebody's life. Listen, it's okay to struggle. Let's struggle with people. Let's pray with people as they weep. It's okay to have questions and it's all right to doubt. Sometimes in church, we, we make it like nobody can doubt and nobody can struggle. Listen, at Christ's point, if you're struggling and you're struggling with doubt and you're struggling with fear, I want you to come to church because the church is the best place that you can be. It's a hospital for those who are sick. Amen. How many believes that? Can you say amen? So can you show kindness to those who are shipwrecked? 
You may be shipwrecked at life. Maybe your faith is shipwrecked. Grab a hold of some boards and make a decision that you want to make it. Because the promise is not connected to the ship. The promise is connected to God. Oh, yes, you may be fearful, but remember that God is with you. Get a, grab a board and swim to the land. And when you get there, remember that you got there because someone helped you. And you need to help someone else when they're shipwrecked in their life. May the Lord add the blessing to the preaching of the word of God. And all the church said a great big amen. Would you stand to your feet? And would you shout a great big amen? Did you enjoy the word of the Lord today?